and open the shoe boxes. They're so excited. Those faces just transform. Yeah, these kids behind me are so excited because they've just received their boxes. The mouth is wide open, the voice is raised, smiles are all over. That box brings joy. We're right now in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. I mean, it's just been incredible. Kids are so excited, giving them a gift, do it in Jesus' name, and that's what this is all about. Jesus loves you. It's a gospel opportunity. It's the chance for the children to change the entire life. That's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders, it knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ. Churches are doing big things with Operation Christmas Child. Everybody out there who packs shoe boxes, they are spreading God's love. It's families, it's churches, it's hundreds of thousands of volunteers that help make Operation Christmas Child so successful. We couldn't do it without them. With this box, they do get the gospel story. They do hear about Jesus. It has maximum impact in the worldwide kingdom of Christ. I mean, what better thing could you do than be involved in Phil Shoeboxes? Some of them go by train, some go by camels, some go by ships. These boxes go all over the world, and that is only the beginning. After receiving the shoe boxes, the children will be invited to go to the greatest journey, which is a 12-lesson discipleship program where they learn about the greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ. After a child completes the greatest journey, they graduate and receive a Bible in their own language. When the light of the gospel is turned on, that changes everything. Churches are being planted, lives are being changed, communities are being transformed. The word of God is spreading. The gospel is advancing. It is impacting children. It is impacting families. It is impacting the world greatly. Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. I would like to ask you to consider packing shoeboxes year-round. God will bless, and God will use your gift to touch the life of a child and to be able to do it in Jesus' name. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. God bless each and every one. Maybe you're new to Only Believe, or you've just been here a while observing, but you're not involved. You know you're a part of a bigger picture, but you don't know exactly what that looks like. I'm Pastor Nicole. I'm asking you to become a member here at Only Believe. Spend a Saturday morning with me, the first Saturday of the month, and let me share with you this wonderful prayer that we've prayed for your life. I wanna discuss it with you. You know, it's important that we know who God is and then when we know who he is, our soul and our hearts begin to change. And we find freedom from things that often have been a vice in our life or chains that the devil meant to hold us bound. And then I'm going to help you discover your purpose. We're going to go through a class together and learn what you were designed to do. And then we're going to do that and make a difference in the kingdom. See, everyone has a part 
pray in the body of Christ. I want you to find yours. Join me Saturday for next steps. You will definitely see what's next for you. had to get someone else's. So good morning, everyone. How you doing? You're looking lovely, even though I can't see you for these lights. So am I lying? No, <laughs> no, I can see you. I'm just picking on you. Hey, we're just glad that you're here. We want to welcome everybody here to the family of faith. You're my family. I'm your family, right? Amen. Amen. And we also want to welcome all the first time guests. If you're here for the very first time, do me a little favor, and in front of the, in the pew in front of you, look in the back there, and there's this card like this, this here. Fill that out if you would please do that for me, and take it to the Welcome Center when you leave today, and this will help us get to know you, get to know where you're from. It'll be a good thing, all right? Thank you. And we're glad that you've joined us and that you're here with us today. Now, I want to welcome all the live streamers today. We're glad that you're watching and going to be participating in the service. Listen, I had a lady last week. This was awesome. She came up to me and she said, Pastor Phyllis, I know that I'm not here all the time. She said, but I promise you I live stream all the time when I'm not here. She said, every Sunday, if I'm not here, I live stream. So see, guys, it's a great thing that they are able to still watch and participate even being at home, all right? So today is the last day. Don't forget, live streamers, today is the last day of the series uh, Real Life, Real Change, all right? So today's the last day. So maybe you would like to share that, live stream it, and tell your friends, hey, watch this. This is a good, going to be a great message. It has been great, don't you think? The messages in the last month or so, I mean, I think they've been fantastic. But I'm a little biased, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, at your seat, there's this little card here. It's an invite card. And it's uh, for our new series, The Blessing. Now, that's going to start in November. So if you want, share this with your friends. Give this to one of your friends and invite them to come with you. That's what it's for. It's, you're invited, okay? So don't forget to do that. That's going to be an exciting uh, series as well. Now, if you want more information and you want to get connected more to the church, your family of faith, just go out to the Welcome Center after church or before church. Go out and just say, hey, I need to see what's going on, and, and you'll get all the information of what uh, upcoming events are happening and all that, so it's, it's going to, it'll give you a lot of information, and you'll appreciate it, all right? Now, what's the next step we do? Worship! <laughs> Let's worship the Lord today.
Come on, we've come to the house to praise him. It's not time to be silent. It's time to lift up a shout to him this morning. We're here to worship you. the power to conquer truth. Always been- 
this house are teaching on real life, real change. Because listen, the things we're singing about in this song, mountains moving, waters parting, it's not just a Bible story. It's something that happened. Because why? Because of God. Because of Him. It's not something that we can do on our own. It's something that we need Him. And He provided a breakthrough. He provided a breakthrough. So if you're someone that needs a real change, and you've been here and you say, yeah, I want a real change. I don't want to deal with brokenness, with hopelessness, how to overcome anxiety and fear and depression. I'm telling you, there's a place here today where you can find freedom. And how does that come? By knowing God. By knowing that He is a breakthrough man. He is the one that will provide a way out when there seems to be no way. He will part a water as you're staring at an ocean and saying, but how do I get through this? God will part that water. He will part that water and say, come on, child. Come on. Come on for my glory. If that's you this morning, I want you to grab hold of this by faith and declare it by faith as we sing this again. With hands lifted all over this building. Come on, saints, let's sing this again. Show me one thing you can't do. Show me mountains you can't move. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. Today, show me one thing that's too hard. Show me waters you can't part. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything. 
it's impossible if I stop the youth. Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty too. But since when has impossible ever stopped you?
I was uh, kind of waiting on uh, coming up here, but it was kind of funny that song played. Because I probably played that song about four times this morning. I've been up since about 4.30. And uh, if I get a little emotional here, I apologize. But God kind of beat me up a little bit today in a good way. And I kept complaining to God, and I've been doing it for a while now, but about 2020, I was like, oh, God, I want 2020 to get out of here. And he started bringing to my memory all the good that's happened in 2020. And when I started looking back on stuff that's been happening, one of the best things that's happened, I bought some properties in Shawnee, But God used those properties in 2020 to bring forth kingdom business. And what I mean by that is, there's a man that came up, I didn't even know who he was, came up to us while we were working one day. And God's like, stop. Just stop what you're doing. Take the time to minister. And I took the time to minister, and this gentleman came up, and he says, hey, I see your shirts, and I've seen your work, and he said, there's something different about you. I've got cancer, and they told me it's uncurable. I said, oh, no. With my God, all things are possible. There's an awesome song that just got released that says, no limits. There's no limits. Don't stop limiting God. Stop we, we limit him because all of a sudden, let's pray for him. Oh, God, let him go peacefully. The doctor said this. No, I didn't pray that way. I said, God can heal you, Rick. I said, God can touch you. He can deliver you. And about two weeks ago, he chased us down in his truck. And Vanessa's like, hey, there's this dude chasing us in a truck. And I was like, well, let's pull over to see what's going on. And I said, oh, that's Rick. And he come up and he says, hey, I just got a good report. I'm cancer-free. And it was an opportunity to sit there and tell him, that's God. That was God. And I told him, I said, you need to come to church with me. He goes, I started going to a church in Lima. That's what, that's exactly, that's exactly what I said to him. I said, it's not about our church, it's about the kingdom. And I had another gentleman, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to take up a lot of time, but I had a gentleman that actually lost his wife 14 years prior to one of the houses I was remodeling. And he says, when I got the house almost done, he says, I'd like to live there. And I said, you can move in. And he he moved in with his son and his daughter. He got to enjoy that house for a year. And his exact comment to me was, it's the same house, but I don't have the same memories. He went to be with God. But the thing about it is, is I take that as a testimony because he had stuff for 14 years that he was fighting and he would see this house and remembers bad things about what happened to his wife. But we came in and we redid a whole house just doing what God's talents and abilities were. To redo a house and let him go into a house that doesn't look anywhere near the same as it was when him and his wife was there. But to got to live there and finish his life there. And to me that's a testimony. Because when I now look back at 2020, I don't want to say... Man, I don't want to see 2020 again. I want God to show me, God, what have I been doing for you in 2020? What is the challenge that I've been doing for you? What's the testimonies when somebody comes with fear and and, and they're afraid of 2020? I can say, well, this is what happened for me and my family. 
and that we sing these songs about, you know, having trust in God. My, my faith is, is when I speak to people, I want them to have that same trust. I don't want them to lean on Shane. I want them to lean on God. Word of encouragement. Jason. Praise God forever. Before we go any further, I, I praise God. Hallelujah. God is about to do something. Never doubt that God has won up on the devil. Amen. Hallelujah. Where's brother Eric? Eric, would you come up here? We, Eric has had us busy the last couple of weeks and, uh, I don't know if some of you have viewed some of the uh, crusades, but Eric's going to give us a little slipshot into all of them. Amen, amen. Well, on Friday, Pastor had the opportunity to minister to 100 million connected homes around the world live. Yep. We had yes. nations from 60-plus different 60 nations, nations people respond to for miracle testimonies, tumors disappearing on people's bodies, blind eyes coming open multiplied tens of thousands of people respond to the network telling them they received Christ as their personal savior. We had Muslims come into Christ in a five in a in a twelve day period of time from October the fifth through October sixteenth. Here's something else that came good out of twenty twenty, Brother Shane. We never would have done this kind of things if it wasn't for God giving us new ideas of getting the gospel out. But in a 12-day period of time, it's guesstimated pastor ministered to literally 50 million people in the last 12 days. 50 million people heard the gospel, many for the first time. And if just 1% of those people, 1% said the sinner's prayer, that's 500,000 people. Think about that. 500,000 people, pastor. I'm confident it was more than 1%, but I'm trying to be conservative here because I don't want to get evangelistic speaking here. But 1% would be a half a million people going to heaven. And we know that hundreds of thousands came to Christ based upon what the networks are telling us. But just think about the impact of us being here in Bakken's, preaching via Internet and on Sat7 satellites and other OTT platforms like Apple TV and Roku and those kind of things. But truly, over the last 12 days, it's been historic. Pastor also had a chance to minister to a remote village in Pakistan. And he had a chance to preach the gospel literally that people had never heard the gospel before. And if you can picture people sitting underneath a tree in this remote village of Pakistan, 
you know, 10 hours away from Lahore, the, one of the bigger cities there in Pakistan, and you have pastor on a big screen TV about that, about that size up there, and he's preaching with an interpreter, and we had pastors on the ground. Every person that I saw in that remote village, because we could see through Zoom what happened, every person raised their hand to receive Christ. This is stuff that's never happened before. We're just giving God praise that we are doing things like never before, and it's because of COVID-19. And what the devil meant for evil, God's turning around for good. Amen? And we're going to keep doing this yep. month after month. Uh, we have another remote village planned in Pakistan coming up the first part of November. We're buying Bibles for these new converts. So the idea is once they come to Christ, we're getting the Word of God in their hands. We're getting them into a church, and they're being discipled. So who knows what God might do in Pakistan? Maybe we'll see Pakistan revival, revival break out there, Pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's what we're doing. And, and of course, you are all a part of that. And uh, I'm going to receive the offering. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands up just for a moment. Father, we worship you. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are the healer, God. You are the healer. You are the hope giver. Hallelujah. You are the prison unlocker. You are the grave freer. Jesus, hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you have today heart problems, I'd like for you to make your way right up here to this uh, altar. And we're going to pray for you. And we're going to believe that God can reverse heart problems. Amen. I've seen over the years hundreds of new hearts given, people that were prepared for surgeries on the list for heart transplants get new hearts hallelujah 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 how many of you know there's nothing impossible to God absolutely nothing 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 hallelujah praise God hallelujah hallelujah who has an enlarged heart Enlarged heart. Who has an enlarged heart? You do? Okay. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Stretch forth your hand. This is the Sunday of hope. This is the Sunday of hope. Can you imagine the woman with the issue of blood coming home hopeless? Hopeless. Twelve times hopeless. Twelve times hopeless. Twelve times hopeless. But one day, just like today, this is a day that God has made. It is a day that God has redeemed man. It is a day that God will show himself strong. It is a day where God will show his hand mighty to the redeemed. It is a day that God will grant hope and miracles to those that need them. God would not withhold any good thing from his children.
Healing is a good thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody right here deaf in one ear? How's your hearing? Pretty bad. Are you totally deaf in one ear or just in just mumbles? Okay. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you deaf devil, I command you right now to come out in the name of Jesus. And I command you, you deaf devil in Jesus' name, to come out right now. Be open. It's opened, yes. Okay. So it, it's open. All right. There you go. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Olin, are, are you here? Olin, uh, bring Olin up. Hallelujah. How are you doing? Good. Hallelujah. Beyond every day, you need hope. I mean, you're almost locked into a, what would they call it, a canyon. And your entrance has been being filled up. But God's about to break you out. And God is about to turn some things around. And I just want you to know this. Your hope is in him, not in man, not in a situation, not in what they can do, what they say. But I'm here to declare you today, today is a day that God has appointed that hope is rising up and faith is accompanying hope. And you're going to see right now doors that have kept you bound, doors that have kept you limited, doors that have separated you from God's best. I break right now. I break them in the name of Jesus. Loose her. Oh God, for your glory. Now I loose God right now miracles into her heart. I loose God in the name of Jesus that this heart will become ordinary. Let it fall into rhythm right now, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command all this dizziness, God, to cease, to stop. Go in the name of of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do you have, Sandy? I have the irregular heartbeat. Irregular heartbeat. I curse this irregular heartbeat in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I command it to come in to beat and let it be normal in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now you, hallelujah. God, I speak to this enlarged heart right now. I speak, God, that this heart would become normal. God, let its rhythm become normal. Let its pressure become normal. In the name of Jesus, I loose the working of miracles. In Jesus' name. What do you have, Jane? Well, I've been to the doctor for my heart. Um, I took all the tests. They claim there's nothing wrong with my heart, except I do have an irregular heartbeat once in a while. So they put me on the medication, and... Um, I keep telling him there's a constriction. Something just keeps tightening. And he finally said, well, maybe you're just anxious. I have no idea. But with the, with the heart, um, uh, another doctor says, I've got arthritis. I've got a compressed disc, which runs down my leg, which makes it hard. It makes it sore. Um, so basically, I think it's just the whole body. Okay. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, I speak to this depressed disc. In the name of Jesus, I command you to come 
out of her right now. I loose the working of miracles, God, into this sciatic nerve. Down her leg, I command all this pain to come out of her. And God, I loose right now the working of miracles. I curse this arthritic condition, these joints in the name of Jesus. Be thou free. I command it to cleanse her blood in the name of Jesus. And God, this heart right now, I loose life into this heart in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God, let this restriction of this tightness go in the name of Jesus. Now, Jane, did you have pain in that leg when you come up here? Yeah. Tell me what you got now. I still got it. I can feel it. Still got it? Yes, it's, it's, it's just. Okay. Yes. In the name of Jesus, I command you, you devil, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her right now. Loose her. God, I loose the working of miracles into this leg. And I thank you for it. Amen and amen. All right, Jane, tell me what you got. Do you boogie with John at home? No. But once in a while, okay. All right. I command, God, this knee right now, this joint, this arthritic condition, I command you to come out of her right now. God, I loose a miracle into the cartilage of this knee. In Jesus' name. Uh, it's better. I can still feel it a little bit, but it's, it's better. Well, you, you go. You go and you'll be fine. Olin, what do we got? Uh, a couple things. Uh, the last three weeks or so, my ears have been croaked for no reason. I was at a doctor this past week. He said, I can see your eardrums. So I don't know why. And then I've been having a lot of pain in my right side of my back. Uh, I went and had a uh, x-ray this past week, but they're going to do an MRI this week. So I don't know yet what it is. And uh, so you can't hear? Not good. <laughs> Not good. Okay. And that just happened in the last three or four last weeks? Last three or four weeks, yeah. Okay. Amen. All right. In the name of Jesus, you deaf devil, I command you right now in Jesus' name to come Right now, in Jesus' name, be open. Now, I command you, you deaf devil, in the name of Jesus, to come out right now. In the name of Jesus, be open in Jesus' name. Now, Olin, could you not hear, or was it muffled, or what? It was muffled more than anything. It was muffled. Now, can you hear me speaking clearly right now? Yes, I can. Okay, out of that ear? Yes. And uh, out of this ear here? Yes, I can. Okay, good deal. Now you can go home hear your wife nag. You haven't done anything for three weeks. Now I command right now this disc, I command this nerve that is pinched right now, I command this nerve to move, I command it to loose him. God, I loose the working of miracles in Jesus' name. Oh God, for your glory. All right, check yourself, Owen. Still hurts. Oh, well. All right. This leg right here. In the name of Jesus, I command you, you devil, I command you to loose him right now. Oh, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, Olin, tell me what you got. All right, a little better. Let's get it all the way better. In the name of Jesus, God, this lower back, you devil, 
I command you right now, God, I loose healing, and I loose the working of miracles into this leg, this back. In Jesus' name, I command this pain to go. All right, Olin. Tell me what you got. Well, it was locking up, and it's not locking up right now, so. Oh, it's not locking up. Yeah. Okay, Olin, you go. All right, hallelujah. Steve, what do you got? Heartbeat, AFib. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God, I curse this AFib. I command this heart to come back into rhythm in the name of Jesus. Amen. Same thing. Same thing. I curse this AFib in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I command this heart to come back into rhythm in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Really? I curse this irregular heartbeat. I command it to come in to normality. God, let it come in to rhythm in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Yeah, I'm taking a pill for my heart, and it's up. Is it like an irregular heartbeat where my heart doesn't beat right on time? So I'm taking an aspirin and heart pill and a blood pressure pill. Okay. In the name of Jesus, I curse this AFib. God, I command this heart to become normal in the rhythm in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you got, Terry? Um, I'm standing instead for Mama Joan. She texted me this morning. She's short of breath, still not feeling well, and just tired. And they haven't found anything on that? No. Right now, you spirit of infirmity, I command you to loose Joan White. I command you in the name of Jesus to loose her and to set her free. God, I loose the working of miracles in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. They don't know. Well, God does. I got a fucking monitor. They keep monitoring. They don't know, but the pain is still there. Father, in the name of Jesus, this spirit of infirmity that has afflicted her, I curse it right now. I command it to loose her and to set her free, oh God, for your glory. And I thank you for it. Amen and amen. What do you got, Ron? Um, I had the triple bypass okay. in January. But I'm still in the fourth one. I think it's 80% blocked. And I wake up in the middle of the night in this side we know father in the name of jesus you can do what man can't do you are the god of the impossible our hope is in you i turn right now god to the part of this heart that causes arm to go numb god let the circulation be restored in jesus name amen and amen our daughter scarlet has a severely leaky mitral valve that a plumber? <laughs> uh, okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God, for your glory, I loose, God, the working of miracles, and I speak to that microvalve right now, God, that it would be mended, it would be normal, in Jesus' name. No side effects, God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Now, you go with confidence. Have it rechecked. It will be fine. 
stepmom, my stepmom, mom, her heart stops for seven to 10 seconds at a time and they don't know why yet. She got her will made out to you? Yes, she does. <laughs> Start praying before. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, I'm kidding. In the name of Jesus, God, right now, this heart that stops beating, goes out of rhythm. Father, in the name of Jesus, I loose the working of miracles upon his mother-in-law. In the name of Jesus, make it whole, God. And I thank you for it. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor, it's, it's Ida. She has no feeling after in her right leg due to a surgical error. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I loose a miracle right now to restore that which has been disrupted and injured in Ida. In the name of Jesus, let this feeling come back to this right leg in Jesus' name. Oh, God, for your glory. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. 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 If you have a pain in your shoulder, a rotary cup or something like that, if you'll just start lifting it up, you'll find out that it's disappeared. Just go ahead, just lift it up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want to, I get the opportunity to take an offering. And uh, so I'm going to receive the offering. And uh, I'm going to take it out of Mark, the 10th chapter, where Jesus is ministering about the rich man. There's great questions about if a man could be saved, if he trusted in riches and so forth. But it says down in verse 29, Mark 10, 29, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers sisters and mothers, children and lands, and with persecution in and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that be first shall be last. You know, I've often wondered about that. How can the first be last? But many that are first shall be last. It all has to do with a loss of desire to promote the kingdom. When we first get born again, we get excited about giving, about tithing. We get excited about surrendering. We get excited about expanding the kingdom of God. And that's really what tithing and giving is all about. It's not about things. It's not about wealth. Wealth will come as we walk obediently if we keep our purpose and our focus on the expansion of the kingdom of God. Amen? All expansion and all growth is very dependent upon the wealth to establish it and to promote it. Now, we sometimes think, oh, God's not interested in money. Really? Jesus sat by the offering pot one time and said, this woman hath given more than all of you. 
God doesn't need money, but he does need for wealth to get to your hands. Because without wealth getting to our hands, the kingdom will never get to mankind. And so as we give today, we give with a purpose to expand the kingdom of God. Someday somebody from Pakistan is going to come up to you and say, I heard you help Pastor Dosak preach to us in Pakistan. Now, you might not think that 96 souls are very important out of a village of a couple hundred, but those people that gave their life to Christ, 96 of them, will forever be in eternity with you. And that's the expansion of the kingdom of God. Did we have to do it? No, we didn't have to do it, but we got to do it. It all takes money. It all takes finances. It all takes people that are more interested in God's purpose than their own purpose. So as you give today, not only is your purpose directed towards the furtherance of the kingdom of God, but the Bible says, and in the world to come, eternal life. You know, giving helps our heart stay connected to the value of eternal life. See, it's not just gathering funds. It's more than that. It's your heart. Your heart is connected to that which you have invested time to get. So we here at Only Believe Ministries Christian Center, we do believe in giving. We believe in tithing. We believe in giving. We believe in sowing seeds. Why? Because the kingdom of God is important. And people are in need of a Savior. And so I'm asking you today, do your best, and God will do what needs to be done. Those of you that are watching by live stream, I encourage you that you become participants in our giving today because we are not only looking out, reaching out to the purpose of God, the purpose of God. As the purpose of God is fulfilled our hearts become connected with eternal life. That's more important than anything in the world. Amen? Whatever we give for the kingdom's sake, a hundredfold in this world and in the world to come, eternal life. Let us pray over your giving. Father, we thank you today that, God, you have enabled us with money, with riches, with things, God, that we can transfer into kingdom use. Now, God, we thank you for the abundance that you've given us. We thank you for the heart of a people that says God's kingdom is worth more than anything I have. God, they're willing to loose it that, God, they may obtain it. And, God, today we ask you to bless the giver, the tither, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand your feet and bring your tithe and offering unto the Lord.
Hallelujah. Well, praise God, we have the great honor today. We get to hear Pastor Nicole Waters come up here and preach to us. And uh, I hear it's going to be a good word. There you go. Yeah, only because I have to follow you from last week. I'm telling you, this has been a great series we've been going through. Amen? When, when uh, Dad first came up with the topics and he said, we're going to alternate every week, my heart stopped. And I thought I was going to need to be in this prayer line today. But that's all right. That's all right. Line upon line, precept upon precept, right? Week after week. And we took a little bit by little bit, and God's been faithful. Um, just want to say, those dream team leaders, if you're in here today, we had a good time yesterday learning about our dream teams. Uh, it was a good party. So if you came in the front doors, you saw balloons. That's what you saw this morning. Um, it was a great day. We did some training and just some encouraging of our leaders and really enjoyed it. We had all campuses present. It was just a beautiful day. Um, but anyways, that's what you saw out there. Let's go ahead and pray before we get started today. And let's not take uh, for granted that we ask for the Lord's help before we get started. Father, I just come before you in the name of Jesus, and Lord, I just surrender my words, God, and my heart and my mind to you today. Father, I ask that you open the hearts and the minds of the men and women, even children, Father, that may be out there today, Father, live stream, YouTube, Twitter, Father, wherever they're viewing today, Father, that you do what only you can do. Let the anointing go forth and break the yoke in people's lives today. In the name of Jesus, Father, that this would not just be a word that we hear, but, Lord, this would be a word that brings forth life change in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, so today we are going to complete the series called... Why am I using this? Hello, Larry. Oh, yeah, look at that. Imagine, Dad hands me the mic. I keep using it. Didn't even realize it. How Today's title is going to be the last part of a series called Real Life, Real Change. But the subtitle is Overcoming Hopelessness. Overcoming Hopelessness. Now, this is what I would ask you today. How many of us have caught ourselves in our life or just recently saying, oh, that's a lost cause? Or, oh, no, whew, that's hopeless. No need to worry about that. That's over, right? Because in our hearts and our minds, there's certain things that we write off or we consider that they're not worthy of being saved anymore. See, hopelessness is all around us. Is that the only amen I get? It is 2020. I mean, I hear what Shane was saying during the prophecy, but I'm reminded that 2020 has been quite the challenge, and there's many people that have found themselves in a hopeless situation with the world's conditions that's going on. Let me just say this. 2020 doesn't surprise God. He's not surprised by the circumstances and the condition of the world right now. He wasn't, he wasn't alarmed when it was Sodom and Gomorrah. He's not alarmed that it's 2020. You get it? This isn't the first time the world's condition has been bad. However, we as believers have to realize that we have a responsibility when things are not the condition we want... To not give up and say the world is a lost cause, but to say that there's hope in the world today. Do you understand that Christ came for the world? God so loved the world. Do you think he gave, he came and gave his son so that he could give you hopelessness? He came to give hope, breed hope, but we as his children are to continue to sow hope. 
to give hope in 2020 even though it looks like there's no hope. It doesn't matter what our situation looks like. There's mothers and fathers and sons and daughters. We cannot lose our hope. We have to pray. we got to stand steadfast in the faith in 2020 of what we know. And we have to continue to share the gospel to a world that feels hopeless. Come on. Now, in order to talk about hopelessness, I feel like we need to start with hope. The happy topic. It is Sunday. We didn't come to talk about the negative topics. So I think it would be better to start our message on the positive note. So we'll start there. All right? I'm just letting you know. All right. So here's what it is. We're going to start in Hebrews 11.1 1, because I feel the connection is very strong. And I think we have to review that if we really want to know what hope is. It says, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance means confidence. Now faith is the confidence of things hoped for. An expectation, a desire for certain things to happen. That's hope. And the evidence or the proof of things not seen. In a nutshell, faith is being sure of what we hope for or what we expect to happen of certain things we don't even see. We expect a good outcome in the situation because we know the faith that we have in our God and it brings an evidence. Now faith is the substance. So if hope is an expectation or a desire for certain things to happen, then hopelessness is simple. Hopelessness is absolutely no expectation for good to happen in a bad situation. No hope for success, no anticipation of a solution to life's problems. In the spirit realm, it means, really, no anticipation for God to show up and show off. You just expect God to just sit in heaven and do nothing about your situation. He's not going to move on your behalf because, well, he just doesn't want to. That's not true. That's not true. See, the enemy is the one who comes to steal our hope. The enemy is the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy our expectation for God to do something good. But God came to give us life. Isn't that what we've been learning about? Real life, real change? That when you accept the real life of Christ in your life, then your expectations for what happens in your situation changes. We have to understand that if we believe in God and we believe hope, we believe faith, we believe in the evidence thereof, then we have to understand that God came to do us good and not harm. And I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over until we identify that the devil is bad and God is good. God's not taking you through this situation so you'll learn something. What God is doing is using what the devil is taking you to and through or your own choices, your own life's recommendation and your own pride has moved you into God is turning it around and saying and I'll birth hope out of a dead situation. That's what we do. But we've got to believe and understand that God means us good. See, the enemy, the devil, 
Lucifer, call him whatever you want in the negative, is the father of all lies. He absolutely cannot ever, ever, ever tell the truth. It's not his nature. Just like God's nature can never, never, never lie. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When things don't happen the way we want, we start to doubt that and we think that God has let us down when really God didn't let you down. But there's a process to what you're learning. There's a testing or a proving of your faith. But oftentimes we see that as God not meaning me good. No, it's the process to faith. See, the devil plants fear. I heard this years ago. Fear, false evidence appearing real fear false proof appearing real to you and I this is what the devil does he puts questions in our minds like well if God was faithful then he would have done that now well that's not true there were multiple miracles in the Bible multiple miracles that it was just like we saw today go go and be made whole and as they went they were healed are you sure God's with you don't you feel alone? This is what the devil does. He just whispers slowly. God can't fix this. There's no way out of this one. I guess this is a lost cause. Just hopeless, right? That's what the devil's asking you and I. False evidence appearing real. Or how about these? No one will ever love you. You will always be like this. Your kids are never going to fall in love with Jesus and serve him. You can't make enough money to work your way out of poverty. You'll always be poor. Let me tell you something. Every word in that is a hopeless vocabulary that the devil is trying to sell you. He whispers it daily in your ears, sometimes multiple times throughout your day, and you don't even realize that he's a liar and he's lying to you. And you start to justify what you're hearing. Well, when he says you're not worth anything and no one will ever love you, you go, maybe you're right. Maybe, and you begin to listen to his lies. Listen, hope doesn't always get stolen with one life circumstance. Hope can get stolen thought after thought after thought after thought and before you know it you're at the bottom of a barrel and you feel hopelessness not hopeless hopelessness nothing present nothing to draw on nothing to believe in because literally the devil has lied you into hopeless and believe it or not when you're hopeless and you feel that sense of hopelessness you attract hopeless people who feed the hopelessness that's in your life and they agree with you they agree with you that this is what life is going to be this is just a lost cause you shouldn't believe in that Christian stuff it's not true look at you if it was true you wouldn't be in the place you're at listen there's a scripture about that there's a scripture we have to protect our hope Proverbs 22 24 says that you may learn the ones of the ones that you're associated with you may learn the behavior of what's happening listen if you already deal with a sense of hopelessness 
Get away from those who are speaking hopeless thoughts, who are using never, always, you're never going to do this. This is hopeless vocabulary that we have to pro literally protect our hope and our heart from hearing them helpless vocabulary. We know that vocabulary like that brings death. Yet somehow, birds of a feather flock together. We don't want people who's going to tell us, David, now you're speaking garbage. The devil's a liar and you need to step up and step out of this pit that he's digging for you. I love you, brother, but I'm going to stand with you this week and we're going to get you out of here. We don't want to hear that. We want to hear somebody that's going to comfort us. Someone that's going to allow us to sit and sulk in that hopeless state and that behavior. And let me tell you something. When that begins to happen, the devil has his way with you. It's thought after thought after thought. And he begins to destroy your life and erode every sense of hope that you have. He doesn't have to take your hope away. He just has to bring thoughts of hopelessness. So it makes sense that the remedy for hopelessness is hope. Is hope. You want to not remain hopeless? Get away from hopeless people and step into people that see God as the author and the finisher of their faith. Who says God's bigger than your situation? That's true hope. And hope begins to breed. And then we know the substance of faith shows up, the action that moves forward, and then the evidence becomes real proof that hope and faith worked. Listen, the Bible says that we have to reject the thoughts of the evil one. Reject them. Now, I'm just going to be real. I'm talking real basic for some of us Christians that maybe need to be reminded, or maybe you're a new Christian and you don't know what rejecting thoughts means. The word says that we are to cast down the vain imagination that exalteth itself higher than God. The devil tells you, this is what he's telling you. He's telling you that this situation is never fixable because he's trying to exalt himself to a place that you believe him and you don't believe God. He wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to be the negative Joe. He wants you to believe what his words are and not what Christ's words are, even though Christ is the one that has power and the devil has none. That's his ultimate resolve. But if you don't cast down the vain imagination that tries to exalt itself by using scripture. Listen, it doesn't mean you put on your earbuds and just start walking around and put on K-Love. That's not rejecting the thought of the enemy. That's not casting it down. That's accepting it and trying to make it quiet so that the other music is louder. It's not go tell your friend about it and hear what they have to say. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of friends that you have that you could go tell about your problem, but if they don't give you the written word of God, nothing's going to change. All you're going to find is comfort in your friend. God doesn't ask for us to find comfort in our friends. He asks for us to find comfort in him. So all you've done is take what was the devil's thought that was exalted. Now you've put your friend in there and your friend's exalted above God. God's asking, I want to be exalted. I want you to take me for my word. My promise is what stands true. Not your friend. I'm going to be real with you. There's sometimes my word doesn't matter over the, past, over the written word of God. Your pastor's word, if it's contrary to the written word of God, you should get a new pastor. 
Really, God's word will change your situation. When you pull it down, it means to replace it with this. Replace it with. But see, this is where often we fall off the wagon. Because I'm just going to be real with you. This isn't a pre-typed, written card that just comes in a package. And the second you have a financial, hopeless situation, that you open it and a financial scripture pops up on this little card digitally and you get to take it with you and then put it in your pocket. You have to do something. See, this is the problem. This is the problem. When it comes to the action part of following through with the word of God, we fall short. Because everything in the world takes our time from doing what's necessary. Listen, you're right that our salvation is not by works. But if you don't work what is in this Bible, it will not work for you. So I'm telling you that if you think your thought pattern is going to change... By ignoring it, avoiding it, sticking on Christian music, Caleb, WBCL, whatever one you got, it's not going to change until you replace it with the written word of God. The written word of God. It's time that you and I start choosing a vocabulary that changes our life situation. Deuteronomy 30, 19. This is one you can keep. Steal it, please. Take it. Put it as a life scripture. It's one of mine. I give to you this day. I charge you. Will you choose life or death? Blessing or cursing? Hope or hopelessness is in your mouth today. Which will you choose? Because you and I have to begin to expect God to do what the word of God says. That's hope. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, 19, that hope is an anchor to our soul. Be sure and steadfast. That's what it is. Both sure and steadfast. An anchor prevents a ship from drifting into the deep. Or possibly off course. If they're out already really deep, they can drop these anchors thousands and thousands and thousands of feet. And they're huge, right? But in the spiritual, this is what it does. Hope pulls you and stabilizes and helps you stay in God's will for your life. That's hope. That's hope. See, hope stabilizes you from drifting off course. Hope is good for our soul. Hope is good. What if I told you that with God, there was no hopeless situation? Right? Now, now hold up. Hear me out. I'm not dismissing that you feel hopeless. I'm not saying that those feelings are not real. They're real. You feel them real. But feelings are meant to be gauges, not guides. Gauges, not guides. Here's how I see myself. I'm a woman. I'm very emotional. For those of you women out there, you can relate. For some of you men that might not be as emotional, this is not for you. I picture myself in an airplane. Have you seen those gauges? How many gauges are in an airplane? That cockpit is full. Listen, I've got a gauge for every emotion you can imagine in my cockpit. I'm just telling you, it's huge. And there are days that I look out that window of where I'm going and everything is in the red, yellow, every, 
You're going over here. And what's that saying to me? God's saying, arrest your emotions and look to my word. I will lead you. I will guide you. Take your mind off the console of your life and put it on me. And when you do, I'll lead you. I'll direct you. It doesn't matter what you feel. See, because this, the written word of God. See, we don't live by feelings, but we live out of every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Where do we get the words that came from God's mouth? The Bible, the word of God, right? If I live by this and not my feelings, then the very fact that I have hopeless feelings right now that are present can be changed by the truth of God's word. This is the absolute 100% truth in my life. It doesn't matter what the facts of my life show because the truth changes the facts that are staring me straight in the face no matter what. Amen. I'm not moved by the facts in my life. I'm moved by the written word of God which changes the facts that I face every day. The last time I preached, I mentioned the scripture Jeremiah 29, 11. And I'm going to tell it again because, again, this is another one of those life scriptures. We prayed this over our firstborn because the devil had a different plan for her life, but we reminded the devil of the plan that God had for her. And it said, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to not harm you, plans to give you a hope, an expectation for me to do you good. Do you understand that God himself has a hope for your life? Do you know that he does not think evil of you? Do you know that even when you are sinning like a dog, hear me out, when you are friends with the devil, sleeping with the enemy, that God looks at you and says, he's the child that I made and he will be what I've asked him to be. I've called him, I've purposed him, I have a fulfillment for his life, and he will answer the call. Do you understand that God can never think evil of you, no matter what you've done? Never. You are the apple of his eye, because God expects a beautiful hope and future for your and my life. Just like God hopes about us and thinks about us, we too, in return, have to be like Christ and think about our situations with hope, not hopelessness. Because when you think of hopelessness, when you think of God, you've excluded him from your situation. Hopeless situations are not hopeless when God's present. They're only hopeless when he's exempt. There's only one person that can remove him from your situation. You. So hope is the antidote for hopelessness. Now I'm going to show you, let's go to Romans 15, 13. We're going to turn to this scripture. I want to read this to you. Romans 15, 13. It says, Now the God of hope confirms what we just said in Jeremiah, that he has a hope for your and I's life. He's hoping, he has faith that you and I will be what he said, right? 
Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That means just fill you as you trust that ye may abound. The word abound means that you may have enough to spare. Not just enough, because we don't serve a God of just enough. We serve a God of more than enough. Remember the miracle of the five loaves and the fishes. They went home with baskets full. He didn't give just what they needed. He gave above and beyond what they needed. That you may abound in hope. That you may have more hope than you need to get through your situation. I'm going to give you more than that. I'm going to give you some that you can even spare. Maybe if you have some hope to spare, you could share. Maybe you could share your hope like the next story we're going to read in the Bible. Share in hope the expectation that God will do good things through the power or the force, the miraculous of the Holy Spirit. That's what that means. Can everybody just say right here, we need a little Holy Ghost help. If you want to keep your hope from eroding, you're going to need the Holy Ghost's help. It's his will for your life to fill you with joy and peace and to give you this abundance of hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's go to Acts 16, and we're going to start showing in the Bible where this actually walked out. Acts 16, 22 through 25. Now, this is a story about Paul and Silas, and they've gotten into a little bit of trouble, okay? They have found a girl and prayed for her who was working for an evil man as a soothsayer. She was doing soothsaying, like um, today that would be like tarot cards, uh, uh, those little balls they read or stuff like that, readers, okay? This is who this little girl was. Well, they prayed for her. She got healed. And the people got mad because now their source of income was gone. They were using this girl to get money, right? So here's what it says. It said, and the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes, tore off their clothes, and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. There was no way they were getting away. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, I can't imagine what Paul and Silas were feeling at this moment. They're naked. They've been beat. They're locked up, not in a prison, but through the prison to an inner prison because there was no way these men were going to get out. And then they locked up their feet, right? But with God, what happened, this looked like an entirely hopeless situation. I'm here to say today that if you and I situation, let's just put a little perspective on our life, right? The most hopeless thing that's ever happened in your life. Were you ever stripped of your clothing, beat, and thrown into an inner prison? Some of us have come close. But I don't know that we've totally brought on that hopeless situation. That was hopelessness. 
What were they going to do? How were they going to get out of this? And they were only doing the work of the Lord. But see, what they said was, with God, we're going to pray. They started conversating with the Lord about their situation. They didn't start conversating with their friends. They started conversating with the Lord about a situation that looked hopeless. And all of a sudden, the hopeless situation began to shift. I wonder what they were singing. I wonder what they were singing. Was it, I need you, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Or was it, I saw the light, I saw the light. No more in darkness, no more at night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I see the light. Because verse 26 tells us something happened. It said, here's what it said. And suddenly, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. By the way, I'd just like to make mention, my dad told me that nothing good ever happened after midnight. That's not true. I'm here to say that the written word of God is truth and it changes the fact that my dad said nothing good happens after midnight. At midnight. No, and then it said suddenly. At midnight they prayed. Then suddenly. Come on, come on. I'm just here to tell you all you teenagers that are looking for a curfew after midnight, I just gave you something. You should run with that one. Listen. Their hopeless situation changed. And I just want to say that when he gave them hope to abound, abound, meaning gave them more hope than they needed, read the rest of the story this week. All the prisoners heard the praise. All the prisoners heard them singing. All the praise began. All those prisoners were loosed as well. I'm here to tell you that your hope in the God that you serve can free those that are around you. Your hope in the midst of hopelessness will turn the situation around and the bands of wickedness on everyone around you will drop to the ground. Amen. Share the hope. Share the hope. You have it to spare. Daniel, the third chapter. Let's go there next. I'm going to show you another story which seemed hopeless seemed hopeless. Now there's going to be a little bit more reading here because I got to lay down some groundwork, but I want to give you a little bit of preface here. There's a king called King Nebuchadnezzar. He's built this huge golden image that he wants you to bow down and worship when you hear a certain sound. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are teenagers. I just want that to be said. They are teenagers. And they were put over certain positions in the kingdom as teenagers. I know. Come on. I'm just telling you, God can use anybody. It doesn't have to be a certain age before he can use you. Jesus was found in the temple at 12 years old, learning of the gospel, learning the written word of God with everybody that he shouldn't have been with. Just letting you know, it doesn't matter how young you are. You can do something for God. Amen. All right. 14th verse. Let's start there. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, 
Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do ye not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at the time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the, the, all these sultry items, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast into the, the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Pretty much. <clears throat> when you don't do what I say, who do you think you serve that he's bigger than me, right? Because he's exalting himself above God. Here's what the teenager's response was. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. In other words, we don't even have to give much thought about this. Let me just tell you what we think. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Hope and faith right here, connected. But if not... This is showing their steadfastness. Remember how hope is anchoring your soul? Let me tell you something. If you think them standing in that situation right there didn't start to bring them some feelings of hopelessness, didn't start to challenge them with a little bit of fear, then you're crazy. Because they knew exactly what was going to happen to them. I guarantee you they had seen worse things before because kings were not kind in those days. You did what they said or you got the axe. That's the way it worked. Listen, but here's what he said. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace seven more times than it was. What in the world? How do you heat a furnace? I thought fire was just as hot as it could go. Who needs to make it even hotter? And he commanded the most high mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them, throw them into the burning furnace. And these men were bound in their coats their hosen and their hats and on their other garments and they were cast into the middle of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flames of fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of a fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. And he rose to haste and spake and said unto the counselors, Did we not cast three men in the fire? Come on, come on. Huh. He answered and said, Lo, I think I see four in the fire. I see four. And they have, ha, 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 ha. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. They have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Here's what I'm to say in the midst of a hopeless situation. When you implore God to work on your behalf and hope sets out and hope stands steadfast in the middle of it and faith causes you to stand in the midst of adversity, that hope shows up and the Son of God will walk it with you. I'm telling you, lo, your situation is not hopeless. It is hopeful. It is hopeful with Christ. Every situation. Reading the rest of the story you'll see that their hope, their hope 
transcends into the nation that they're in. And the way they worship is changed. Because the hope they had to spare, they shared. They walked their hope out and it changed a nation. I'm here to tell you, you want your worldly conditions changed? Walk out the hope of Christ that he's given you. Walk out the hope and walk it out in a way that Christ says to walk it out with gentleness, with kindness, with love, with mercy. Walk it out and watch your situation change. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were just teenagers and they knew and they knew. He came near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth. And they came out, and pretty much they were not touched. They didn't even smell like smoke. A hopeless situation used with Christ, you'll walk out, and no one will know you were ever hopeless. No one will ever know you were hopeless. They'll see the trust that you had in God. Listen. Maybe you're like the Shunammite woman, and I'm, I'm finishing up here. Maybe you're like the Shunammite woman who thought her circumstance was too great. The Shunammite woman was a woman of the word. She was full of faith. She saw a prophet of God come through her city time after time after time, and she offered him food. When she offered him food, he obliged and took it, and then when he left, she told her husband, she said, you know what? He frequents through here often, and he's a prophet of the Lord. He's a very holy man, very holy. She was about the Lord's business. She was doing things that God wanted her to do, full of faith. She didn't have, a, she knew the word of God. This woman practiced in the Jewish rituals that were happening. She was a participant in that, her and her husband both. She said, let's get him a room. And when he comes through, he can just stay in our room and we'll make provision for him. And he said, okay, sure, if that's what you want to do, put a bed, put a table, they'll put a lamp in there, he'll be fine. So they did that. Well, when he came through time and time again, he realized that he wanted to repay her. He wanted to do something good for her. So he asked the guy that was with him and he said, you know, what could I do for her? And they gave this one idea and she said, no, no, really, we're already here in our kingdom and it works all fine. And he said, well, okay. So he asked his little side guy again, what can I do for her? He said, well, you know, she is married to an older gentleman and they don't have children. Now, let me tell you something. To be a Jewish woman and not have a child was a struggle. Everyone was fruitful and multiplied. And if you were barren, then there was a problem. There was a problem, and you wanted to change that. I'm telling you that the Shunammite woman had resolved this thing in her life to say, I'm just not going to be with children. I'm just not going to have a child, and that's okay. I'm still going to do the Lord's work. But God met the Shunammite woman where she was. He required nothing. She was just doing the work of the Lord and loving, serving taking care of and doing business with what she had. They weren't poor. They could do this because they had the money. They could do this because they were provided for. So Elisha looks at her and says, a year from now I'm going to come and you're going to bear a child. And she, this is what she said to him. You ready? Don't you lie to me. Proof that her hope was gone. Her hope in the area of childbearing was gone. 
Another translation says, don't get my hopes up. Don't get my hopes up and tell me something that you can't deliver. Now keep in mind, a prophet was speaking for God back then. So when a prophet said it, it was as good as God saying it. This was God speaking to her. I'm going to give you a child. I'm here to tell you that there are situations in our life. You may be hopeful in a lot of situations, but there just may be this one situation, just one, that you can't quite see God getting to because you've lost your expectation that he will do you good. I'm telling you that all you have to do is come to God as you are. Hopelessness and all. It doesn't matter. God met her where she was. And a year later, that woman gave birth to a child. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me who is weary, burdened, heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle. I am humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. It says we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. We can encourage ourselves just like Paul and Silas when we sing, when we praise, when we pray according to God's word. It says, why are you downcast, O my soul? This is in Psalms. For those of you that don't know, Psalms is a book of songs. These are songs. Now, we don't have the notes. I would have loved to have had the notes to find out what they really sounded like. But it says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope or your expectation in God. For yet I praise him, my Savior, my God. Romans 15, 4, and I'm going to finish. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through endurance and the encouragement of this scripture we might have hope. We have to take this Bible off the shelf. This is your hope. This is your hope. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It doesn't matter what our facts are. We know what truth is. Truth says God wins every time. A hopeless situation excludes God, but a hopeful one includes him. God's not against you, so turn to him and turn your I hope so into I know so hope. I don't want to look at your situation and say, oh, I, I, I hope so. I know so. Because the written word of God says it changes my fact. Stand to your feet. I know there's hopeless people here today. And I know there's hopeless situations. Just like hope isn't taken in a day, sometimes hope is not restored in a day, in one word. This message might not restore your hope today and your life be different. But the scripture, day 
after day after day, thought after thought after thought, God's word after God's word after God's word will change hopelessness into hope. I'm assured. Here's what I want today. Anyone that feels hopeless in any situation, I want you to come down front. And we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. But I also want the people that know them to identify that they're at this altar and they need help. A lot of hopeless people are afraid to say they're hopeless. They feel that they're weak. They feel that they're by themselves. They feel shameful because they're hopeless. Listen, God didn't come to bring his son to the world so that you would feel shame. He gave his only begotten son so that you would know you're loved and that you would need a savior. And he provided it freely. There's no shame in coming to the front of the family and saying, I need help because I feel like I'm lost. Maybe you're hopeless in the fact that you don't think God can forgive you for what you've done. Maybe you've lost hope in the Savior and His grace. That's okay. That's what family's for. This is a body of Christ. We love, we protect, and we serve one another. If that's you today, then I ask you to come down front. And we're going to pray. We're going to release everybody else. I know it's 12 o'clock. I know you got to get to dinner. We're going to release the rest of you. But those of you that want prayer today, I want you to come down front. And don't leave another service hopeless. God cares about your situation, and your church family does too. I ask you right now, if that's you, raise your hand and come down. Come down. We're here for you. And if there's no hopelessness found in this church, then that's beautiful. And we're doing the call of God on our life, and that's great. But I'm telling you that I have a hopeless situation in my life. I've just wrote it off. I've said, you know what, Lord? We'll just deal with that another day. But God said, no, today we're going to deal with your hopelessness. God wants to deal with your hopelessness and you matter. So those of you that do, come down. We're going to pray and I'm just going to dismiss the rest of you. Those of you that are here, the people where they left their seats, you already know it. Next week, you've got a hope appointment. You've got to sell a little bit of hope. You've got to give some of yours that you have for spare. You've got to share it. Amen? It's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus as we dismiss the rest of the congregation. Father, I ask that you keep them safe in their way, Father. And I ask you, Lord, that when they see a hopeless situation this week, God, that they would reach out with the hope that's in their heart and share hope. God, they would share the gospel and the written word of God, Lord, because they know that they have been shared with before. God, and that they'll give it to others and change a life in the name of Jesus. Now, altar team, I want you to come down front and we're going to pray. Church, you're dismissed. Wednesday night, we have the same service here at 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. You can come and be ministered to, but we're going to minister to hopelessness for a little bit. All right? Altar team, come and start working. Um, Mom and dad, would you please step up? Help us, please.